Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social, and it is 2021, but a little bit of a blast from the past. We have here today a fantastic guest who I met in 2020, virtually or online during the pandemic. A massive um, LinkedIn presence all the way from virtual online. I want to say all the way from LinkedIn, but Sean Bryan, SCB. Uh, the Revit guru on LinkedIn. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, office, as I said, is in a little bit of disarray right now because we're in the middle of moving house. Um, <laughs> but, you know, such is life. Yeah, I'm surra- literally surrounded by boxes. You just don't want to see off camera over there. There's like a sofa just covered in books, folders, boxes and everything else. Um, but yeah, no, it's great sure. to be here. It's great to see you again. Um, obviously, we haven't spoken for some time due to that little thing called COVID. Um, so yes. the, the little enforced experiment that forced us all to stay at home for a year. So, but yeah, no, life is good right now. And, you know, fingers crossed, looking to pastures new. So. Absolutely. And so, Sean, I think you did you a bit of an injustice because in my head, you are the Revit guru. But actually, as we talked about before, you are also a bit of a CAD Jedi. So uh, we we, we, we kind of met online because, you, you know, you found the architecture social and we had a conversation um, on the back of that. But what's really interesting, I was a bit starstruck, actually, when you first messaged me, because I have <laughs> seen some of your courses on LinkedIn, but perhaps one or two of the listeners haven't seen them yet. So do you want to tell us what you're currently up to at the moment and what you do on LinkedIn, Absolutely. which is so special? Absolutely. No worries at all. Well, first of all, I started off way back when on a drawing board, for those of you that remember those. Um, I very much doubt many of your listeners do. <laughs> Um, but I moved into CAD, into AutoCAD in the very early stages of AutoCAD. This is before we even had Microsoft Windows. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I progressed from there and I worked through. I was a CAD manager for some time. I then moved into the Autodesk channel and worked both as a salesperson, technical rep, trainer, consultant, technical services manager and various other hats. And then finally around the year 2000, um, CAD FM Consultants, my company, was formed, and I went out on my own. And CAD FM has been around, as I said, since around the year 2000, so we've been trading 21 years this year. Um, So I've been been working from home for the last 21 years, which is, you know, lots of people during the pandemic kind of went, oh, how are you finding this working from home thing? And it's like, it's fine. It's 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 every day for me, um, but yeah, it's you know the pandemic has been an interesting time for all of us, and one of the things it's helped me focus on a lot, especially based on my history, is I do a lot of online training, as you quite rightly said, over on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know what LinkedIn is, it's sort of like a a Facebook for business. That's the best way to describe it, and it's a it's a very sort of networky, businessy kind of website, but it's also also got another website attached to it called LinkedIn Learning, which was originally a company called Lynda.com. Lynda.com was acquired by LinkedIn Learning about five years ago, and it's now LinkedIn Learning with Lynda.com content is the official title of it. And I've got about, I think at the moment, about 70 active courses on there. Um, which are all online learning. Some majority are AutoCAD. There's a few Revit ones in there too, and there's a couple of hybrid AutoCAD Revit 
kind of courses as well. Um, but the nickname CAD Jedi kind of hit me way back when, when I first started working in the channel and kind of stuck. So if you look up my Facebook page, it's Sean CAD Jedi Bryant. And again, I post about things there too. Um, obviously over the years, I, I've, I've trained, done a lot of AutoCAD training, a lot of Revit training um, through the mm. business. But LinkedIn kind of became my pet source for getting information out there to people. And LinkedIn's a great platform for mm. that. So if you're not on LinkedIn, get onto LinkedIn. Um, obviously, Stephen is on there as well as myself and a lot of other like-minded kind of architectural, CAD, Revit kind of professionals are on there as well. And mm. go and have a look at LinkedIn Learning. If you, it's, it's one of the things that I think has helped a, a huge amount of people with this working from home thing and the pandemic because you've been able to literally sit in front of a screen and learn something new. And if you need to learn more about AutoCAD, need to learn more about Revit, that's one of the best places to go look. So mm. from that perspective, it, I've been very busy through the pandemic because of that. Uh, one of the things I've also learned to develop and focus on and, and actually expedite during the pandemic is I've kind of transitioned from a physical classroom to a virtual classroom and started creating mm. virtual courses on Microsoft Teams. And I've been mm. training companies all over the world, from Canada to Saudi Arabia, you know, all these different companies who, quite weirdly enough, bump into me on LinkedIn and say to me, do you offer training? And yeah, they do. And they come along and it's, it's, it's a very interesting interface when you're training online as well, because you, you are literally sitting in a little room, like my office here and chatting away like we are now and you've got like eight people on the other side of the planet hanging on your every word and it's a little bit surreal compared to a classroom because you can gauge and focus their reaction whereas mm. on, a, on a camera like this i mean a lot of the time the actual physical face-to-face -face camera is off because you want to maintain the bandwidth for the training so it's been a little bit weird um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. I'm, I'm also an Autodesk Expert Elite. Um, I'm also an AU speaker, Autodesk University speaker. Autodesk University is the big Autodesk training event that happens every year. Um, it was virtual mm -hmm. last year because of the pandemic. It's also virtual this year in October, starts on the 5th of October. Um, sadly, mm. it's not live. Um, it's normally in Las Vegas every year, which is normally a really quite fantastic event. It's a week in Las Vegas bumping into lots of people that I've known and worked <laughs> with for many years. And it's normally the one time each year where we actually get to catch up and have a cold beer and, you know, talk shop. So, but it, again, that's another surreal thing that's happened is attending virtual conferences all this year too. Wow. Wow. There's so much to unpack there, Sean. And, uh, and yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. The one bit that stuck out there, which I do, I do agree, actually. So LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is so important. LinkedIn is important for the, so for anyone that's looking for jobs out there, or if you're studying right now and you haven't got your LinkedIn profile yet, you really, really should do. Because as Sean quite rightly said, it's great for networking, but actually LinkedIn learning is is actually really powerful. And I think that it's actually on the architecture social. I do recommend it because I think that it's really good value for money for self-learning. And you have a wealth of courses, which is just unparalleled. So what I like is that you can jump into yours and then you can go to 
um, you know, maybe you need to do a sketch up or this or that, or you want to learn about CV tips, then that could be really, it can be really useful resource as well. So I think, look, LinkedIn is absolutely important. So if you're not on it, anyone, come on, you've got to get, you've got to get on LinkedIn. But actually, Sean, LinkedIn's been equally important for me because especially when I was launching the Architecture Social, I did use the message people on there. I probably pushed the fair usage as far as I could without LinkedIn banning me. And I wouldn't want to do that because I've built it up over the years. I don't want to get banned on LinkedIn. So, you know, come on, you understand that yeah. if, if my LinkedIn got banned, it would be a big, it would be a massive yeah, adverse you, effect. You've got to commit some pretty cardinal sins on LinkedIn to get banned, I have to say. Um, you have it's, it's not like you, Facebook where you just use a swear word and they ban you for thirty days. It's a, the algorithm's a little bit more sophisticated on LinkedIn, thank goodness. So it it is uh, it is a really really good tool and um, yeah, it's kind of a bit like a professional Facebook, as you say. I mean, I I think actually one of the things that I do like about LinkedIn while we're on the topic and is useful for anyone listening as well. It's much easier for a post to gain traffic. I can't prove this; it's anecdotal. But on Facebook, it does feel like the whole system is is geared towards you paying for advertisers advertisements. Yeah. Whereas on LinkedIn, it's quite easy for a post if it resonates, people like it and, and for it to share. So that's a really good platform. And actually, probably worth saying here that when I was a part one, um, I used Linda. And when I was earlier in my architecture career, I used the now the LinkedIn learning. So I've actually used it firsthand and it's really useful. So but tell me, so I can visualize these. So what comprises of a LinkedIn learning course? Can anyone rock up and do a course? Or is it really, it's, I imagine it's a lot of hard work because you probably, your courses, I imagine, are hours and hours of length, Sean. And you need to know what you're talking about, first of all. So yeah. you've got to know the software in and out. And I imagine it takes a long time to construct. So what's the process like behind, the, like if it's the behind the scenes of one of your courses, I'd love to know. It's 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 not too bad. Um, well, one of the benefits I've got is obviously you know I've been using AutoCAD for over thirty three years, and I've been using Revit for not between about twelve and fifteen years. So I know the products, mm. and I, I know how how to drive them, and what they do, and the concepts behind them. Um, so I, one of the things that I love about LinkedIn Learning is I'm imparting that experience to. X number of people who take a particular yeah. course. Um, I mean, when I was first introduced to what was lynda.com, um, and then obviously it became LinkedIn Learning, um, they invited me over to California to record my first course. And they kind of, they, they mm. one thing I love about them is they're extremely helpful and they look after you and they make sure that you are comfortable in that hot seat creating the content. So they taught me through it all, and I've even done some like live action stuff with green screens and things now. I've actually been in the green room and gone to makeup and being filmed for various things and stuff, which is quite hilarious. Right. I've done the auto cue thing as well, like reading the news, which is just the most surreal experience known to man. Um, but basically, a lot of the work that I do now is remote. Um, I do a lot. Well, obviously, it has to be at the moment because America won't let us in. Um, so I have right. to record from home and create the content. Um, but the idea is, is that I have a I, I, the software I use. I either use Camtasia, and there's another little piece of software. It's a gaming piece of software. I can't remember the name of it straight away right now. 
um, but any, any piece of recording software, it just records the screen and it records your audio. So LinkedIn, yeah. bless them, they provide me with some really, really cool, sophisticated recording equipment. So I have an external sound card, which is USB, just plugs into the back of your PC. And I, I actually use the same technology that I would use if I was recording a song or a piece of music. Um, I use, it's, it's a product by a company called Focusrite. It's called a Scarlet Solo. Okay. And it's a little external sound card. You plug a professional headset into it. And the headset is, you know, sound brilliant sound quality, noise cancelling, etc. And you literally talk over what you're doing on the screen. So I'll be driving AutoCAD or Revit, and I'll be talking through the actual exercise mm. that I'm doing. And then the lovely people at LinkedIn, they are the ones that make me look and sound fantastic on those things because I just give them the raw video and audio. And then what they do is they put ah. that into the LinkedIn learning interface and they bring up little prompts on the screen when you need them and all that kind of stuff. And the exercises oh, cool. are all included. You just download those as a zip file and unzip them accordingly wherever you need them to be and just open up your file, follow the video. It's, it's actually that simple. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the cost of LinkedIn learning is right now. It's, it's a subscription service, so you pay per month. Um, if you're a premium LinkedIn member um, with your little gold LinkedIn logo on your profile, mm -hmm. you, you actually get LinkedIn learning for nothing. So but yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great very, little process. I, I, I love doing it. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I, well, as you well know, I love to chat. And obviously one of the reasons why I came along tonight was to chat as well. Um, but obviously I like to just talk through stuff and talk shop and explain the concepts and the processes of a particular workflow. And you can do that mm. really easily with the LinkedIn learning interface. It works really well. I love that. It's amazing. I think I think you give a really good um, description of it. Uh, I do think that it offers a lot of value and I do think it feels curated. So... One of the things that's interesting is so I kind of joked around a bit of how do I set up a LinkedIn, okay? And I do a little bit of, now what I talk about, Sean, is I talk about how to get jobs, CVs, portfolios, and kind of that front-end concept. So maybe one day I'll get there. LinkedIn, if you're listening, you know, I, I, I admire what Sean's done, and hey, maybe there's a little niche for me out somewhere. But in the short term, what I think is really interesting is that, so we talked about you stumbled across the architecture social and we had this great chat last year and I kind of set it up because I was, I felt that at the time, especially during the pandemic, there was nothing really to support part two, um, part one and part two students because it was kind of like going off the cliff, especially during a difficult time. But what's really interesting is that in my opinion, Okay, and I can see I can see the little previews of your videos and the way you talk. There's a definite art form into kind of guiding people through the process because not everyone can rock up and do this and not everyone has that skill set. And what I'm wondering, I imagine you, you, you developed that, especially when you were, you mentioned you were kind of a CAD manager or what have you before and that art of teaching people and that art of learning do you want to tell us a bit of where you decided that or where you learned that and why Absolutely. why you found it was interesting yeah 
It was all the fault of a principal engineer I was working for called Peter Skidmore at the time. <laughs> um, I, was, I, was work, I was working for, this is when I first got exposed to AutoCAD. So I was working in the drawing office. I was about 18, 19 years old. So this is way back when, because I'm 51 now. And basically, I, I went on like an AutoCAD Essentials course, an external course. I was shipped out of the office for three days um, to this course, um, not far away from where I was living at the time, actually. So I didn't need to worry about hotels or anything. And when I got back into the office, I was using AutoCAD primarily to convert A3-sized standard construction details that were all on in big A3 folders where you flipped through each one to find the detail you wanted. And I was converting all of those to CAD. And Peter Skidmore came and sat next to me because he was the one that approved me to go on this course. And he was watching over my shoulder, and he watched me for about 10 minutes and kind of went, you know, oh, okay, I, I wasn't expecting it to take this long to create the drawings. I thought this CAD stuff, you just pressed enter on the keyboard and the drawing was done kind of thing. And I said, no, it's, it's not like that at all. But what it does do is this. And I kind of explained to him all the benefits of CAD, things like copying and, you know, the fact that you could draw one detail, copy it, edit it really quickly and create another detail from it. And you wouldn't have to read, mm. you wouldn't have to draw that twice. You could draw one, copy it, tweak the little details, and it would take about a tenth of the time. And after mm. sitting there for about half an hour, having quite an animated conversation with him, he kind of said to me, he said, well, how do you feel about training all the other guys in the office on AutoCAD? And I just went, I'll give it a go. I, you know, I've never trained ever before. And he said, well, what you've just explained to me is what I want you to explain to everybody else because then I don't have to send them all on a really expensive three-day AutoCAD course. So we, yeah. we sat down for about a week, came up with some content, and worked through the actual manual that I was given from the training course and the exercises I was given, all on a big five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy disk, for those of you that remember those. And we set it all up, went into the CAD studio, and I did some training for 10 people. And that was where... I got the bug for training, but I also got the bug for setting up the training structure and so on. And seven mm. years later, I was the CAD manager of that company, responsible for about 25 CAD guys and all of their like training welfare and you know all of their working processes within the office. And I kind of got poached by a company who was selling third-party applications for AutoCAD at the time. And I kind of moved into the sales and technical channel that has basically taken me to where I am now. Um, I work mm -hmm. very closely with Autodesk now. I'm a subject matter expert for them. And, you know, I've worked on a lot of different projects for Autodesk over the last, especially over the last 12 months, actually. The pandemic has, I think, forced Autodesk to rethink some of their projects and how they work. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of how I started off and slowly but surely it, it kind of transitioned into CAD FM Consultants, my company. So and I've been doing Amazing. it ever since. Amazing. And I think that what's inspiring about that as well. And so for anyone out there that's kind of gone through the mainstream architecture route, if you're passionate about that, then great. But what I love in this story is that this situation organically presented itself and then you pursued it. And a lot of the questions I've actually had over this year, Sean, in particular, has been about alternative careers in architecture as well. And, and I think um, that you can make, obviously, a great difference 
in the role of a traditional architect, but as well as that, you can do amazing stuff in terms of alternative careers. I mean, I'm not an architect, I'm not qualified, but I enjoy the bits that I do and I enjoy helping people out, especially finding jobs and running the architecture social. And obviously it's great that you, you teach and there's a joy from that as well, because you can make a difference, especially on a platform such as LinkedIn. So I do think that is inspirational. And uh, what would your advice be to anyone maybe in that position that's kind of like, oh, you know, I I do love architecture, but I am interested in BIM coordination or or whatever it might be? Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing I would say is, well, I've been doing the training and consulting thing through CADFM Consultants, as I said, for the last 21 years. And yeah. yeah, there's been some ups and downs. There's been some lean times. You know, they're all. You know, whenever there's a recession, for example, mm-hmm. one of the first things that gets dropped in any organisation is training, because um, it's seen oh. as a sort of superfluous expense when you're trying to tighten the purse strings. Um, yeah. But the one thing I will say to anybody is find find a role that is not just a job. It needs to be vocational, as in it needs to be something you you enjoy doing. Um, I mean, just to mm. give you an example, um, as I said, we're moving house, and hilariously enough, I found all of my old O-level and A-level certificates and my ONC and HNC in civil and structural engineering. And, you know, mm-hmm. I used to be an incorporated engineer in a civil engineering department, and that was where I was CAD manager. And I don't do that anymore. I mean... Ask me to design yeah. a beam with a structural load on it, and I would just laugh at you. I haven't got a clue. Um, you know, I'd, I'd literally have to go and find my old folders, which I found at my dad's place the other day, and flick through and try and find how to calculate a load on a beam again. Now, I haven't used it for decades. But the one thing that I loved was not the academic side, but actually getting people from point A to point B with something that they needed to learn. And mm. that, that's what I really enjoy. I, I love sitting people down that have never used AutoCAD before and literally mm. taking them through all of the basic concepts and seeing their faces at the end when they've created this lovely little drawing with a nice little title block and it's all scaled appropriately and you've got all the right scaled viewports in there and everything. Or it might be a nice little you know concept Revit model in an RVT file. And it, it's so lovely to see people when they realize that they can achieve that Mm. and that's really important yeah 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 i think i think uh well said and and it's interesting that with the architecture social that when when i got caught with it uh, when i when it when it kind of kicked off i was caught during the pandemic that's what i was trying to say and uh the first month for you know it was fun being on the pandemic and uh, i gotta be careful what i say there because it's gonna sound the wrong way it was fun at the idea of filler at first because i was like i'm gonna watch netflix i've been working really hard <laughs> i've got responsibility and i'm just gonna kill a bit of time obviously the pandemic is awful and i know you had coronavirus sean and look it's awful but what i mean is there was that like little break and there was there was that <clears throat> novelty about it because never yeah. been done before i've been working in an office from like seven till seven but after like a month my brain started um deter- deteriorating as in i you need do. something to do you, i like i like that sense yeah 
Yeah, yeah, and and that's when I started setting it up. And while it's not architecture per se, it's like that pursuit of designing it or like the way you set up your course and you're always evolving it. That's the bit I like with the architecture social. And um, what is in and that that really helped me out. And what I'm trying to say is that time just seemed to just go. And it was that uh, that idea that you mentioned there of uh, what your job in a vocation. I get glimpses of that compared to when I used to clock watch before but uh, what's oh, interesting now yeah what, what what is interesting Sean which I haven't mentioned to you and I was quite keen to mention it you know pre-chat but I wanted to get your reaction here is that there's a there's a trend in the user um, behavior so the architecture social the community which you stumbled upon and remember we had talked about it before that the height of that was during December, January, February, March. And right now I've got a difference of behavior. So there's less people on the forum and I can kind of understand because everyone's been inside for like a year, but the traffic on the website has gone up. And so what I'm seeing is that people are engaging with the architecture social in a different way. The podcast listeners are going up, but not everyone is logging in. So do you find that as well through when you're designing courses that over the, you know, between years, maybe people gravitate towards different things? Or do you find that you have to constantly change the course to keep up with the new software or how people are learning? Well, one of the things we do with LinkedIn Learning is I'm basically the AutoCAD guy. So right. every year we make sure that there is a complete revision of the AutoCAD Essentials course, always. Right. And we release that day on date, the same day that Autodesk release AutoCAD, the new version. Um, I'm on the beta testing team for AutoCAD as well. So I'm aware of the new features oh. and we can build those in so that they can kind of come out day on date, which is great. However, you're you talking about engagement and how things change. One of the things I noticed was, and you know, I, I know you say, oh, you shouldn't say it's fun during the pandemic. But the one, the one bit of fun I had during the pandemic was the ability to literally reach out like this on an internet-based, yeah. you know, medium such as Zoom or whatever, and you could talk yeah. to people. And you knew that those yeah. people were going to be there to talk too because they were stuck in the yeah. same boat as you. They weren't allowed out of the house either. Yeah. So, you know, there was this working from home ethic that changed and evolved and became kind of the norm for quite some time. Yeah. And what, one of the things that, you know, I, I noticed with the LinkedIn side of things was my, my numbers went up and kind of probably uh. peaked around December, January time. And then they kind of came down a bit and they just leveled. And I think everybody right. kind of realized that, oh, hang on a minute, LinkedIn Learning. This is, so, this is a place where I can not just learn AutoCAD or Revit, but I can learn Photoshop. If I'm a musician, I can learn how to set up my studio to do, it, to do what I want to do. Um, there's other amazing soft skills stuff in there as well. We, there's, there's all different types of, I think one of, the, one of the best ones that I saw recently, based on what you do, is all about being at the front of the queue for an interview. Mm. You know, what do you need to right. be at the front of the queue for an interview? 
there's all these like soft skills courses in there as well. It's LinkedIn is one of the things I love about LinkedIn is it's not just about CAD, it's not just about BIM, it's not just about AutoCAD or Revit. It's about it, pretty much anything and everything that's out there. Um, most bits of software have courses, but you've also got the stuff around those courses. So mm. something like what you do architectural recruitment is something that potentially if you go and search on LinkedIn learning for architectural recruitment there might be a course on it if there isn't contact LinkedIn and just say hey you know oh, I want right. to do a course on architectural recruitment <laughs> right well there's hope there's hope because that it sounds like sounds like an ideal thing for me so maybe I'll maybe I'll send them this afterwards huh get we get we drop in well, the uh, the Sean Bryant uh, you know they're always looking for instructors. And if you go and look on LinkedIn Learning and go to like the About section, I think there's actually a link that you can click on where you can put your name and your email and you can say, I want to do a course about this. So ah, there's, there's that side of it there. But the one thing I will say there, and this is something that I learned many years ago um, when I yeah. started sort of training and standing up in front of people and delivering courses, is you'll always find that... It's not the most highly technical people who are good at delivering training. So if you've got a professor of AutoCAD, let's say, he might not be the best person to provide the training because you need someone mm -hmm. who has, to put it very bluntly, done the grunt work, worked at the coalface, and knows all the, all the quirks and foibles mm. of a product, whereas a professor will kind of go into the high-level stuff, the big-picture stuff, which is not what people want to know about. People don't mm. want to know about the big picture of AutoCAD. They want to know, how do I create a title block? How do I put my scaled views on a title block? And then how do I get that drawing output by way of a printer or a PDF to the person that needs to see it? And That's I know really how to do that because I've done it over and over again many, many times. And it's kind of a... A muscle memory thing. If you repetition aids yeah. retention, it's a very well-known training phrase. And the more you do something, mm. the more you just naturally get on with it. Like driving a car, playing a guitar, for example. Um, I haven't played my guitars for some time now, and I miss them desperately. But I'm I'm moving house; they're all packed up right now in their cases, so I can't do much about that. But wow. it, it's like you know, if you're learning how to play, let's say an F F major bar chord. You need to know exactly where the fingers go on the fretboard. And mm -hmm. if you play it over and over and over and play your scales and pentatonic scales, I won't bore you with what a pentatonic scale is, but basically if you, if you keep repeating those over and over again, that's how you're going to learn something. It's like driving. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was out in my car today driving to and from the storage unit to store stuff for the house move, unfortunately. But... You know, the, the art of driving and changing gear is just second nature to me because I've been driving for a scary amount of years now. I don't even think about it. I just get in the car, start the car up, drive. And that, that's yeah. where I want all of my people to be who are taking these LinkedIn learning courses. I want them, I want yeah. them to learn the workflow, learn the process from me, and then go on and take the stabilizers off and do their own thing. That, that's kind of where I want them to be. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of nuggets in what you said there, which is really useful. I mean, first of all, I think it really does help that you've done the job firsthand because you really do. 
I think it makes such a difference and I can kind of bring that to, to recruitment. And, and actually lately, it's since we spoke, Sean, I now work in-house in an architecture practice. So it's been really interesting being the job seeker before, being the recruiter, which is kind of in between, you know, the job seeker and the client and now on the client side. So, I've, you know, you, you really see all the sides of it. And I can imagine, you know, in terms of what you've done, actually using Revit, being involved with Autodesk or, you know, and, uh, you know, talking about AutoCAD and Revit and then trying to explain the concepts and the programs. It really helps kind of seeing all the parts of it, because like you said, while Look, I haven't used AutoCAD for a while, but it's very different to read a feature on the website to actually doing it. And there's so many ways that you can. I remember setting up files. There's the correct way, and then there's ways you may deviate based upon project requirements and so forth, yeah. and the ways not to do it. And you know, it's kind of having that level of experience to kind of explain that. And 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 I, the way I want to say it is like real world examples. Because, you know, in, in theory, recruitment is really easy. In theory, you know, it's like someone looking for a job, someone looking for someone to do the job. But it's that human part of the process, which is extremely yep. complicated. You know, it's is there any um, biases there? Uh, you know, is it, um, it people's time frames? You know, what they're looking for, their personal requirements, their emotive requirements. And I imagine that transcends into um, CAD as well. I, what I was going to say as well, because you made me laugh with the pentatonic scale, because I know I got a guitar there and it's, it's yeah. fastly becoming like a prop as well, because I'm like, you, yeah, I'm like, you know, with everything going on. But I remember yeah. doing the pentatonic scale. And I do yeah. think that um, time does help a lot, doesn't it? And I do think that actually, you know, it's one thing to learn, but it's I do think it's an ongoing thing and why I wanted to bring this up is because I imagine that you've and I haven't looked lately but I imagine you've got let's say hypothetically for AutoCAD there's the beginner course there's intermediate yep. and then you've got some advanced stuff but then also with architecture can you mention vocation a bit it's an ongoing thing right and then imagine it's because i haven't driven for many years sean so you were saying that you're driving second nature i haven't done, driven for five years right so i would be the guy who needs a refresher course so do you do you have to constantly think about all these situations when you're designing courses for people because the software keeps changing and stuff yeah yeah absolutely um one of the things we did a few years back was with AutoCAD, we, we realized that we had the big sort of essentials course on LinkedIn Learning, and it was about nine hours long. So you had nine mm. hours of recorded video of listening to my voice for nine hours, which obviously is, is probably pure assault on people's eardrums for nine hours. Um, but, <laughs> but the idea we, we came up with was we need to break this down. We need to have this in almost, yeah. it's almost a bit like bite size on BBC for the school kids doing their exams. And we decided to create a learning course for AutoCAD. There's also one for Revit on um, the LinkedIn Learning website as well. And they're about an hour long, and they are literally kind of a jump into the product, learn all the mm -hmm. basics, 
and come out after an hour knowing how to drive it. So it's a bit like doing your introductory driving lesson with your driving instructor. You know how to drive mm. a car at that point. He's shown you the clutch control and changing gear and handbrake and everything, but you're not experienced mm. yet. And then the next level mm. would be your AutoCAD Essentials course. And then we've got loads of other what we call deeper dive courses. So for example, one of my deeper dive courses is converting an AutoCAD 3D model into 3D Studio Max so that you can animate it and generate walkthroughs and give it a real life sort of architectural visualization kind of experience. We've also got mm. a Revit course like that where I take a Revit model into Unreal Engine, for example, the guys who from yeah. Epic Games who do Fortnite. And in Unreal yeah. Engine, you can add the sun, the sky, the materials and everything, all the shadow studies, all that kind of stuff. And so what we've done is we've literally gone from, you know, starting completely from scratch, you've just installed AutoCAD, all the way up to generating 3D models and adding camera views and adding materials and creating visualizations and walkthroughs and all that kind of stuff. And mm. it, it's all about that kind of step-by-step -step effect where you start at the, the the lowest rung of the ladder and work your way up. But saying that, if mm. you if you are already a, let's say, a five-year AutoCAD user, you can jump in at sort of like essential training near the end or, as you quite rightly said there, you need a refresher, go and do the essential course because you're kind of refreshing all your skills but at the same time, I, I mean, I've trained people in the classroom who've been using AutoCAD for 25 years. And I'll, I'll mm. often get a comment where I show them a little trick on how to do something faster. And they go, oh, I wish I'd known about that 15 years ago. That would have made my life so much easier. And you see the little yeah. light bulb yeah. kind of, the little light bulb just kind of lights up and they go, oh, wow. And it's, it, that is worth its weight in gold for me as a trainer or a consultant because one, it means it proves the concept. But secondly, it means that I've given them something that allows them to be more productive, which in turn empowers them in their role within their organization. Um, mm -hmm. We mentioned the pandemic. Um, I did a virtual training course a month or so ago for an organization in Ontario in Canada. And they were working with imported PDFs that had just been imported through into AutoCAD. So the quality of some of the information that they were using was not really what I call AutoCAD specific. So yeah. for example, they might have a junction box that goes on a wall. That, that mm. from the PDF was just a bunch of lines and arcs and circles. There was no text. There was no actual physicality to it. So I taught them mm. how to make that into an AutoCAD block with attributes the attributes can then be extracted from the drawing and put into a spreadsheet, which you can then put through a quality control or even a sort of cost control kind of thing, where your quantities can be calculated mm. and you can work out costs. And it's those mm. sort of workflows and processes that you start to get into, but you've got to start at that base level first. So the base level stuff is where I'm kind of putting you on your little bicycle with the stabilizers. And then you get to a certain point in the course where it's like, right, take the stabilizers off and go do your own thing. Mm. And I always recommend as well, I mean, classroom training or LinkedIn learning, don't try and do it all at once. Your brain will just turn to fudge. You, you, you can only take yeah. in so much. So go and do yeah. your learning AutoCAD course on the LinkedIn learning first. 
then come back a few weeks later, do the essentials course, then go and find a nice deeper dive course that you might want to do. And over time, you'll build up that expertise and you can take that expertise into work. And Autodesk also offers certification in the same way that Microsoft do, for example. So you can take your AutoCAD exam or your Revit exam and become a certified professional, which is your benchmark. It means that, yes, I can drive AutoCAD or Revit. And you know, the, the next step up from that is an Autodesk certified instructor, which I am as well. But I have to have that because I train in authorized training centers. I, I can't not have that. Mm. But, yeah. but the whole idea is, is to get to that kind of level of accreditation, there's a step-by-step -step process. And that step-by-step -step process is all about building up that muscle memory. And regardless of whether it's AutoCAD, Revit, a car, a guitar, or whatever, you're, you're kind of building up that, that, that layered process. And the whole idea mm -hmm. is, for me, and my, my personal concept on this, is to become good at something, you need to have actually done it repetitively for 10,000 hours. That, that'll give you an idea. Mm. And to use some examples of that, you know, you've got people like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, those guys created Microsoft and Apple and so on purely out of repeatedly kind of banging their heads against that brick wall, that imaginary brick mm. wall to get better at something that they, they wanted to do. So, for example, Bill Gates, when he was at university, he used to go into the computer suite every spare minute of the day and honed his programming skills. And that 10,000 hours then allowed him to create something which was called MS-DOS, which none of you probably know exists anymore because your computers now don't even show the boot-up screen on a PC anymore. Old mm, PCs used to take a long time to boot up, and there was like this black-and-white screen of text, and it was your mm. MS-DOS, your disk operating system, booting up to let you know that all the checks had been cleared so that the computer operated properly and effectively. MS-DOS mm. became the disk operating system worldwide. And then Bill Gates was able to build Microsoft Windows off the top of that particular thing that he created. And he created that out of all his programming skills and his 10,000 hours of working in the computer suite at the university where he was at. So mm. that's where Windows kind of came along. And he used, he licensed MS-DOS to every single company that built PCs saying, oh, if you're using oh. a disk drive, a hard disk drive, use MS-DOS. So MS-DOS is the basis of all the, all the hard drives on all the PCs out there as we know it. And that's the mm. money that he got from that licensing was what allowed him to set up Microsoft and create Windows. Yeah, and there's I a, think there's actually, sure. Just as a point of reference there as well, Stephen, there's a fantastic yeah. book called The Outliers or Outliers, and yeah. it, you've got Bill Gates in there. There's there's a hockey team in there that used to practice every hour God sent to win the league every year. Um, there's various other examples of famous people. And the two that I always remember because of the environment I work in are primarily Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was another one whose thought process is, you know, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore. Um, but I loved his thought processes. And this goes down to recruitment for you was he said, don't employ the people that always say yes. Employ the people that say no and have an argument against the yes. And he said, surround yourself with people that disagree with you, don't agree with you. They're the ones that are going to get the job done. 
And it's, yeah. it's very tricky. I you know, I, you know it, it's one of those things that I've always done is I always like to have a few doubting Thomases on my team because they make me think, is this idea a good idea or not? Mm, I think, well, you covered a lot of ground there. I've actually got that book. It's by Malcolm Gladwell, isn't it? I think That's I've got it on the shelf yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's it's a a great no, read it's, for anybody who wants to improve their skills in anything because it gives you an mm. idea of the amount of hard work you have to put in, but also it gives you a baseline of how many hours you need to do on something to become not just – you won't become brilliant at it after 10,000 hours. You are simply competent or good at it. It's only then, once you've done those 10,000 hours, that you are you know reasonably good at something. To become exceptional mm. at something, you know, with the Olympics that happened recently, you, you've got to do anything and everything every hour God sends because those guys are literally at their absolute pinnacle of their sporting prowess. I mean, it, it, it's like, I mean, I saw a fantastic meme during the Olympics about Usain Bolt, for example. You know, he put like, I think it was something like 19 years of training in to basically run the best under 10 seconds of his career. And when you look at that exponentially, you think about that massive base of time all the way up to the top of that pyramid for that tiny, whatever it was, 9.1 seconds or whatever his world record was. Um, you you realise that it's that's what it's all about. It's it's all about building up that base, that foundation. Yeah, really well said, actually. Um, I, I do think it's true. You can, it's, it's kind of like the guitar thing. I'm far from an expert in guitar. You need to put the hours in, and it's all about the <laughs> hours. Am I. It is, yeah. It's it's a, you need you need to you need to put the hours in. Uh, you got me excited because you touched briefly upon um, uh, 3D game environments. And what I will tell you, Sean, is that if you go to the Manchester School of Architecture in 2012, the library. Uh, well, actually, I didn't make it into the library because I got a, a 2-2 for it. But I wrote my dissertation on 3D gaming engines. And mm -hmm. why I, I got docked down is because I needed a clever narrative. But really, I kind of got my geek off and was like, oh, my God, Twin Motion's coming in and da 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 da, -da. And I yeah. could totally see this happening because I uh, love video games. I still play them. I play them less because there's. I kind of think that there's this... Um, when when I was a student and I had no money and I had loads of time, I could play all the video games I want, but I couldn't afford them. Now I have the money for the video games, but I have no time to do it because <laughs> it's it's playing the the game of real life, or you know. Yeah. I, and I, as yeah. much as I am not a fan of Donald Trump, uh, there was there's this brilliant book. There's an architecture book called, I think it's like Space Play and Time. And what was really interesting. So my tutor taught me about um, this book. He's like, you've got to read this article, uh, this part of this book. And what it was about was Donald Trump and less about Donald Trump. But the one thing he was good at when he was in real estate is that he would hire smart people like yourself. And so he in New York, basically, uh, during the time way before he was a president and all this stuff, because not interested in talking about that, especially not here 
But what was interesting, when he was in real estate, he built this Trump Tower in New York, which was like way higher than any other tower. And they were supposed to, he only supposed to go up like 20 floors and he got it up to 40. And what he did was like game the system because he worked out all the loopholes in New York. His lawyers and stuff, they bought, they bought like, um, I forget what it's called, like, um, like Sky Miles and all this stuff. And then he worked out, for instance, if you make a ground floor plaza, you can go down two floors and you can add two floors and then he kind of yeah. rigged the ceilings to be not like two meters they'd all be 2.4 so that his tower was way way higher and he kind of gamified the system and like yeah. when you were talking about like that I, I you know i admired um that story from it um but yeah 3d game engines are so exciting what i was going to ask you sean is we kind of like um, at that fun point and soon you can ask me any question you want about the architecture social, but I have one burning question before that. So, and you can be in two parts if you want. I mean, what really gets you excited at the moment then, Sean, about maybe the future of the learning? Because I know you're into that, but also because you're kind of on the edge of tech and all this stuff. What gets you excited in architecture? Because to me, it was the 3D game engine, but I'd love to hear what you get excited about at the moment. Okay, uh, well, the, the one thing that excites me on the learning side of things is, and it's primarily being pandemic driven as well, is mm. I had to transition my physical classroom to a virtual classroom, which I'd never done before. Virtual classrooms yeah. had existed, obviously, I, you know, I'd done various webinars and things and so on. But I realized that with the technology and the bandwidth that we have now with the internet, I can train literally anybody from here, my little office currently in Norfolk in the UK, and I can train anybody around the world. So like I said, I trained those guys in Ontario and Canada recently. I've trained people in Saudi Arabia. I've trained people in the States, Hawaii, various other places during the pandemic, which has been fantastic. It's been a real eye-opener for me because CADFM Consultants became an Autodesk authorized training center only about a year or so ago. And it's made me realize that I, I, I can have my Autodesk authorized training center anywhere in the world. So if I wanted to, I could sit on a beach in Australia and run my classes from there, providing the internet was good. Mm. So that, that was the learning side of it for me that got me really excited because one of my plans for next year is to start running courses that are literally virtual. And it's a bit like when mm. I signed up for your podcast. You've got the, calen the Calendly link, and I can go, oh, I yeah. want to talk to Stephen on such and such a day at such and such a time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, all of that is currently ongoing, work in progress, under construction. So I want to be able to you know, get people to learn from me all over the world, and that's kind of the way I want it to go. On the yeah. other side of things, the other thing that you know gets me really excited about architecture right now is, yes, I'm with you on the gamification of architecture. So we're talking mm -hmm. architectural visualization, currently known as ArchViz, is, is the, the, the little buzzword, ArchViz. Um, and you've got things, yes, like Twin Motion. You've got things like Unreal Engine. You've got loads of other products out there as well. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Unreal Engine by Epic Games, um, purely because I've worked yeah. very closely with them in the past. Um, they also yeah. acquired Twin Motion recently. Twin Motion is oh. a phenomenal piece of software. Um, the guys that developed mm. that, they're over in France. And mm. 
they kind of thought, okay, I want to create something that is just a click-by-click work through, a click-by-click workflow. Yeah. But it will give somebody a beautiful conceptual model at the end of it. And one of the things I absolutely love about it is I can literally go from summer to snowfall just by dragging a slider on a control panel on a screen. So I can create my cityscape, I can have my grassed areas, my trees, my people walking around, my traffic, and then I can literally just say, right, I want to go from June and see what it looks like in December. And I want some snow, Mm. and I want some rain, and I want some clouds. And it's a one-stop shop, it's a one-click. And it's, it's gamified, that's what people do in games, they click something and it changes something. You know, my other half loves playing Candy Crush, for example. That's one of her little favorites on her phone when she's got five minutes. And it's just a a click, and it does something, a click, and it does something. Mm. Unreal Engine is a little bit more complex because you you have to bring the Revit model, the 3D model, into Unreal in a certain way. If you want to learn about that, go and look at my LinkedIn learning course about bringing Revit models into Unreal Engine for architectural visualization. Um, But... Once you've got that model brought through into Unreal Engine and into what they call a scene, you can then start adding your sun, your lighting, and you can create some amazing stuff. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. If you go and look at most car adverts nowadays, the cars in those adverts aren't real. They're models created Mm. in things like Unreal Engine, for example. And they're then imposed into a physical environment. And one of the things that Unreal have been doing recently is they've been working with a company called Quixel. And Quixel now, Quixel are this amazing company that, kind like you, they saw something happening before the curve, before it went and kind of went up into the sky on the graph. And Quixel have been out and taken high-definition photographs and videos of just about every type of landscape and object out there. So if you want a mountain range with real rocks and everything else, Quixel give you all of that and you can drop it straight into a scene in Unreal Engine. You can then drop your Revit model in front of it and you've got this super amazing landscape with your Revit building in front of it with all the materials, all the lighting and everything else. And then what you can drag out of that is real world, real life still images and also more importantly, video footage. And that video footage, as, as the saying goes, a picture paints a thousand words. It really does. Yeah. Now, yeah. the other exciting thing for me is is mobility, and this is something that I want to move more into next year. Is I, I, mm. one of the lovely things about LinkedIn is you can put a poll up, and you can say, you know, what if, and you can. I think I can't remember how many answers you're allowed in a poll, but people can sort of answer, and it's like, oh, how many of you like Mondays? And you can have, mm-hmm. I don't like Mondays, or I do like Mondays, and you know, mm. it might just be fifty fifty each way. But I put a poll out asking what people saw me as. Am I a creator? Am I an educator? Am I a technologist? What am I? And it came back over 50% thought that I was a technologist. So I'm not just a teacher anymore. I'm not just a CAD instructor anymore. I'm a technologist because I know about the technology as well. And Mm. what I want to do is promote how CAD and BIM have become incredibly mobile over the last few years. Um, AutoCAD especially, because you've now got the AutoCAD web app, which means you can drive AutoCAD in a browser. 
You've also got the AutoCAD mobile app, which means you can drive it on something like an iPhone or an iPad. You can also do that mm. on like an Android phone or an Android tablet as well. But the technology mm. is there now from, I mean, I can remember the days when I was out on a building site, I had four house bricks holding down an A0 size drawing on the bonnet of my car, and it was trying to rain, and I'm trying to draw with a red biro all the markups on this piece of paper. Nowadays, it's a ruggedized iPad with an Apple Pencil, and you're marking up the drawing or the model. And the lovely thing is, is you can then, with that technology, add something like a revision cloud or in AutoCAD, it's called a trace. So in the AutoCAD web app, web app or the mobile app on your iPad, you can add this trace and add the text and the revision clouds and everything and hit a button and save it. And then somebody else can look at that cloud-based drawing back in the office and make the necessary changes immediately. They used to have mm -hmm. to wait for me to drive back from site, get back into the office and give the drawer that physical piece of paper with the red biro on it and say, here's the changes I need to be made. That's what mm -hmm. excites me now is this mobility that we have. It's incredible. I mean, there's my iPhone, you know, my good old iPhone there. My, I think it's an, I think I've got an iPhone 12 Pro Max now, I think possibly maybe, but the lovely thing about that is that bit there is a LiDAR scanner which means I can do a 3D scan of anything using my phone. So I can do that just using the photo application on the phone, but there's an app out there called Canvas, and I've been working with those guys quite closely over the last year. And Canvas, you just literally do a 3D scan of your room, send it off to Canvas, they will convert that to a 3D drawing or a 3D Revit model as a point cloud, and you can just drop it straight into your project. Now that for me cool. is exciting because 20 odd years ago that would have taken weeks to get to that point. Whereas now it'll literally take you probably a day. You'll send that mm. scan off to Canvas. Obviously they charge you for it, for the conversion. But the idea is, is that you've got that mobility, you, you know, just on a phone. You know, and I always yeah. remember there was a great meme when mobile phones first kind of went smart with the iPhone. And one of the Apple adverts was you had a before and an after. And you had the guy standing there with the tape recorder, you know, the guitar and everything else all strapped to his back like a one-man band with the cymbals between the knees. And then the other after was just, you can do all of that on your iPhone 4 or whatever it was at the time. That's, yeah. that's what gets me excited now. This, this amazing technology that allows us to be incredibly mobile. It's, it's a phenomenal yeah. thing. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, well said, I think that, of course, mobile, as you mentioned, almost to take it for granted, but it is amazing. What is interesting, though, especially about like 3D game engines, I think, is that, okay, I remember like rendering something for 10 to 12 hours and look, that <laughs> picture-perfect render, okay, it takes a shitload yeah. of time, but okay, it does look amazing. But why? what's special about 3D game engines is that the technology is catching up, but it's the speed and the decision-making, yeah. which is so good. And okay, 
okay, ten, ten years ago when I wrote my dissertation, the graphics weren't as good at that time. But you had the Cry Engine, and you mentioned the Unreal Engine, which I agree is pretty damn cool, you know. But now it's it is catching up, and okay, it doesn't look quite as you know like the V-Ray in Revit is always going to look amazingly stonking for that image. But it's the on-fly decisions which are so cool. The design team meeting and going on site, which is super super interesting. So like you, Sean, I am so excited to see where it's going. But I think now we're at a really nice like segue. And what I was going to do, Sean, at this point, I think it's always fun to flip the table. So the interviewer should be the interviewee. And what I was going to say is like, if there's anything that you wanted to ask me on this podcast... Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, um, it was about a year or so ago we talked. It, in fact, mm. it was about a year or so ago that we talked because I can remember exactly when it was. I was in North Wales for a break um, for, yeah. my, for my birthday with my wife. And oh, yeah. we were away in, enjoying ourselves in the, in the middle of nowhere in North Wales, not far from Conwy. And I, for some weird reason, something came up on LinkedIn about the arch- architectural social. And yeah. I just kind of popped a message using the medium that you had in place at the time and mentioned what I did. And you came back to me, oh, yeah, we yeah. must talk. And then when I got back, we had a good old chat, which was September last year. So it is about a year since we last spoke. Um, oh, cool. But, yeah, one of the things that I want, I wanted to know from, from that, you know, interviewer, interviewee thing is what made you go ahead and set it all up? What, what drove you to do that? Yeah, I think uh, I it was. A, I always use the analogy, and it'll be the truth in this. It's like you ever seen Slumdog Millionaire? There's all these little bits of. Um, so in the film, the guy goes across his life and then during who wants to be a millionaire all these questions come up and he randomly knows it from his journey and I guess that a little bit like when you were saying you were in practice that there's little bits and bobs about recruitment or the process of finding a job in particular uh, that I find really interesting which haven't been fully explored so putting on that designer brain like the way you would design the course the way you design how the user gets the the most out of it like recruitment's really clunky and also there's it there's a problem there as in it's a very frustrating thing for a lot of people uh you know i you know, recruit uh, looking for a job is really stressful and then you kind of have the social aspect of it as well and so like linkedin it's a really interesting formula actually of there's learning, then there's the social networking, and then there's mm-hmm. getting jobs. And they all kind of, in my theory, they all kind of feed into each other. And so while I'm not doing the LinkedIn learning courses, I do think there's a, a value on helping people through a difficult time and also allowing people to socially connect so the bit that i'm interested in in like the the the, if there was a mad formula here is i'm interested in the bit of how the employers the 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 practice owners the company owners and the job seekers interact with each other and i think Mm -hmm. that there's there's a lot there and i think a little bit like um on recruitment it's like you've got linkedin has got this really really fastly evolving stuff as well and i use linkedin on a constant basis to find people but what's interesting is that 
I think that there's a balance between human interaction and these systems. So, so to to kind of um, to kind of summarize where we're at, like. I love the architecture social. I set it up. It's definitely my baby. But at the same time, you know, it lives and breathes by the community. It lives and breathes by what's also needed. And there's a there's a kind of a cruel, but also a kind thing about the internet. As in, if no one wants your courses, Sean, no one's going to click them. And then you, so you have yep. to fastly learn what people's problems are. And like when we talked about before, right now is that I'm seeing there's a very different need for for the architecture social. That actually, it's less about. I think like nine months ago, uh, it was a little bit more about feeling connected and like a sense of being and a sense of place. Whereas right now, everyone's fed up of being at home and what they want is, you know, how to speak to an employer. And so there's a different kind of engagement. So tomorrow I'm going to be doing like an ask me anything session and job seekers. So I set the architecture social up to solve those problems and lately I've been thinking more about the why. Why am I doing this rather than just running with the ball? And that's really where I'm at. I think on an unconscious level, I felt it would be useful. And then I would be doing all the fun bits on further, like speaking to you and doing all this stuff. And now I'm making a business out of it. It still needs to have the bit that you got attracted to, you know, like the cool bit, but I also need to make it work economically to protect it, but then also offer a value, like a social value, um, an academic value, uh, so that it keeps evolving and it's useful. So, sorry, long winding answer, but that's where my brain's at. I get it. Do you get it? So it's, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's I very much. I mean, yeah, very much. I mean, like when, when I first set up the company, you know, CADFM Consultants, um, I was actually at the time laid off from a big Autodesk reseller because of the literally the mm. fallout from nine eleven. Um, we had a lot of American right, yeah. clients at the time. It based in the UK. They took all of their business wow. out of the UK for security reasons. And we, I mean, we literally lost about 600 seats of software overnight, almost. Mm. And my boss at the time, he, I, I was looking after the tier one kind of clients at the time. And he kind of said to me, he said, well, look, you know, <laughs> they're not here anymore. We, we, we can't really give you gainful employment, but what we can do is bring you in three days a week providing training. Do you want to do that? You know, I know it's a bit of a leap. Yeah. I know it's risky, but do you want to do it? And at the time, you know, God, my, my, my son, who's 20 now, was only three months old. And it was like, you know, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll take whatever I can get, almost. And yeah. it suddenly made me kind of, one, reassess what I enjoyed, which I suddenly realized was getting up in front of people and imparting my knowledge and training them and getting them better at what they do. And then I started to think, okay, well, I can do training. That's great. You know, that's just day to day, three days a week, do a training course. But then I thought to myself, how do I add consultancy onto that? How do I kind of develop that further? And I did a lot of consultancy work as well, developing CAD standards and all that kind of thing for different people. And then 
weirdly, as you quite rightly have talked about, organically things started to happen. Autodesk yeah. started to notice me. Autodesk started to talk to me and say, I mean, back in 2006, they, I, I was working with a particular product of theirs. And they literally said to me, well, would you like to come over to Las Vegas and teach at Autodesk University about this product? And I was like, wow, you know, I've hit the big leagues kind of thing. And I've now spoken at every Autodesk University since. So my first Autodesk University was 2006. It's now AU 2021, which is in October. And that's my, well, whatever number, 621, that's 15, isn't it? So this will be my 15th Autodesk University that I've been a speaker at. And it, it all organically kind of built up for me, similar to what you're doing now. You've kind of got the core engine in there and it's all chugging along yeah. nicely. What you've got to start doing now is working out, okay, which bits do I add to that engine to make it run smoothly, to make it run faster, to use less fuel or whatever, you know. And yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it, where – it's it's the why rather than the present, if you get my meaning. Why am I doing this and where do I want to see it going? Rather than, oh, I've yeah. done this and I'm not going to do it anymore because I've done it. Some people do that. Some people set something up and they then kind of go, oh, I've done that. I'm getting out at the top of my game. One of the ones that kind of stands out for me, similar to us, and you'll, you'll probably laugh when I say this, but is Elon Musk with Tesla. Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I he, 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 I, basically I said, he basically mm. said, I'm going to create an electric car. And everybody kind of right. went, yeah, funny. Yeah, can't wait. Look at the amazing sports car he created, the first Tesla. It was a Roadster, soft top, fastest road electric car ever he brought out. He's now got four different types of cars that you can buy. Okay. He's now got a solar-powered roof tile that, from an architectural standpoint, is amazing for sustainability for architects because you can put these roof tiles on a building. It looks like a traditional roof, but it's a solar roof. Mm. And not only that, he's just popping up into space every so often as well now. Because the, yeah. and, and the other thing that he's brought out, I don't know if you're aware of it, is his SpaceX internet satellites. You can yes. now buy this little box with a little satellite dish and you can get your internet your internet bandwidth from space. And they, funnily enough, it's only just opened up in Europe. And in the north of the UK now, you can go and buy one of these little boxes with a satellite dish. It's just like Sky, your Sky TV, but it gives you your internet bandwidth. Yeah, it's... It's, um, it's there, you I, know. It, it, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, creating something. It's, it's why have I created it and what can I do or what other things can I do to help people and that's kind of where mm. you and I sit yeah well 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 first of all thank you I'm very flattered no one has ever said I'm anywhere near Elon Musk but uh I still a few it's a journey it is a journey isn't it and I think what's it interesting is. is that yeah you kind of in life like um bizarrely to me, the way I look at things, while I don't do architecture anymore, it's, it's really strange the way in which I look at solving a problem or recruitment or building the architecture social. It has that critical brain of, you know, yes, it's not a building, but, you know, earlier you were talking about beams and foundations. Then there's an art form, as you say, to like setting up the courses. And there's there's like an art form, I guess, in the architecture social. To me, it's solving that, that kind of... Um, 
the finding jobs aspect. So there is an element of recruitment to it. But the one kind of thing that I wanted to add like a note on before, because I think what I want to do is I want to put the links to all your stuff and we'll do all that. But the one bit that I think is really interesting to mention as well is that I think sometimes as uh, I don't know whether it's a British thing or it's an architecture thing, but, you know, it can be almost seen as, oh, you know, not the thing to talk about in terms of money, you know, and it's like, um, oh, how do you how do you talk about money? And, uh, and one of the things that I want to be really transparent about on the architecture social is, is that I love the community. I never want to charge for the community. I always want to do stuff like um, tomorrow, this open session where people can come up to an hour. Uh, for the hour and ask questions but to do that there needs to be a financial income and I think that if we're not talking about that that's almost disingenuous you know the REBA charges members for it and I think that for me one of the things that is important is protecting the interest the long term of interest of the architecture social by finding like an ethical source of income and doing things the right way but that's really 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 important because you know sean you mentioned all the software earlier you mentioned your your audio hardware you mentioned your time all, all this stuff costs and that's fine but as a we're talking about businesses and there's an element of with all this stuff is and this is what maybe i what i can learn from you as well is that yes you're producing all these courses but there's a business behind it and i think the other bit that i've been learning fast is also where you spend your time because sometimes um, I've spent time on things and looking back, it was not a good use of time. And that's fine because I've actually learned something from it, but it's that process of finding out what actually really counts. And there's an expression in recruitment that my boss used to use. And I used to years ago and I used to hate it because he used to drive me insane. And he used to say, you're being a busy idiot. And I kind of know what that means now. You know, that sense of like, oh, I've done so much today, but like, what have you really done? Is it really going to get out on your next course, Sean? Is it really going to be on my website? Is it going to add a value? And like, that's the hard business lesson I'm learning. Oh, and it's also, it's not even, there's two things. There's, there's a financial aspect, but there's an impact value. And we touched upon it earlier about Thanks, like yeah. how our users inter, um, how are users using things? Or like for me, it's the, goes back to what you're talking about with the 3D game engines. It's like that balance of quality and speed or in the architecture social, it's about how can I do something which people are interested and it can help them, which is also a good use of time because it's just me doing it all. Uh -huh. So that's kind of where my headspace is. On that note, is there any final thoughts you have? Either on that, Sean, and then we can tell everyone where you're at or... Yeah, uh, any absolutely. words of wisdom? I, I, I do have a final thought on exactly what you've just said, actually. Um, on, yeah. you know, th there is a very Britishness about money and charging for things. And, you know, yeah. I, I still feel that sort of reticence sometimes about, you know, you're having an email conversation with a potential client and then you kind of get down to that, well, it's going to cost this much. And yeah. what I, I, I've got a really good friend of mine. I went to college with her. She's, she's a very high-level business lawyer, basically. And one of the things that she said to me, and it's stuck with me for many years now, is they can only say no. Mm. So you, yeah. you put yeah. in 
in your quote the amount of money that you think you are worth. And she said, don't hold back. Don't look at how much someone else is charging. Charge how much you think you should be charging. Charge how much you think you're worth. And as she said, they can only say no. If they say no, you just say, right, okay, well, what is a good price then? What works for you? What budget do you have? And then you work between those two variances and find an amount that you're happy with because you know that you're happy with it and you know that they're happy with it. And Mm. I, I, I mean, one of the things that I always do with every training course I run is normally nine times out of 10, I'll say, right, I would like 50% in advance. And that's just a a, a working process that I have in place. I got stung about six, seven years ago by an organization who basically promised me it was a lot of hours of work, a lot of hours of work. And I based my forecasting on that. I based my, you know, rent payment on that and everything else. A week later, the company folded, the directors ran off with all the money, all the books, all the desks, all the computers, and they were never heard of again. Mm. And I literally wow. turned up to one of my classes where I was teaching AutoCAD. The students were all outside. The doors were locked. There was a sign saying the company has ceased trading. And I didn't wow. even know, and I was one of their contractors. So wow. the students were like, well, how do I finish my course? And I just said, right, okay, I'll do it. But, you know, you, you're going to have to pay some money. I can't do it for free. Yeah. And... That, you know, I, I learned at that particular point in time that you, you cannot be afraid of charging for your services. You are, you are giving a service to somebody for them to improve or to learn or deliver something, a project perhaps. So you, you, you have to have that financial conversation, unfortunately. And it, yeah. don't make it a bad thing. Be upfront about it and just say, I, I charge this much. Yeah. And, wow. you know, you, you'll often find that if you are upfront about it rather than oh you know I find this a bit cringy and a bit embarrassing you know I I now need to ask you about how much you want to pay don't do it that way and the you know and that then rolls on to something that my training manager years ago always used to say it's all about bums on seats and we used to work with a remit of if we could get three or more people on a training course it became profitable because the course was paid for, the trainer was paid for, it covered the overheads. Right. And I've always worked on that one as well, bums on seats. You know, get, 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 to use the really cheesy Kevin Costner quote, if you build it, they'll come. And oh, it's very that. true. It's very true. Wow. If you build it, they will come, but charge them for it. You don't have to mm. charge them a lot of money. And one of the things I will say is if somebody's paid for something, and they know that they've got to turn up on a certain day at a certain time. If they've paid for it, they'll turn up because there's an assigned value for it. If you yes. say, oh, yeah, you know, this is a free course. It's on Monday at 9 a.m., I can guarantee that 50% of the people won't turn up that said they were going to turn up because they'll have found something better to do. And it's like, oh, that's free. It doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. 100% and, and with regard to the architectural social, you know, you, one of the things that maybe you want to look at there is your numbers of people, how they're using the site, and maybe mm. look at a subscription-based model. That's where Autodesk have gone with AutoCAD. So mm. AutoCAD now is completely subscription, but there's different levels of subscription. You can do it for a month, six months, or a year, or longer if you want to. 
Well, I'll I'll let you in on a sneak a sneak peek that I am looking at that model for recruitment. <laughs> so yeah, don't worry. I'm with, I'm with, I'm with you, Sean. And uh, I just want to double down on what you said. And it's true that bizarrely, my free ask me anything tomorrow to where 10, 12 people signed up. I guarantee you four or five will come and that's yep. fine. But um, I also... Um, I agree that actually I don't mind doing that because it's on the architecture social and I do it on a one or two off because that can help the one or two people they need it. However, when I do coaching or anything else, there is absolutely a cost and my value is smack bang on the website. It's a, it's 97 pound for an hour, which can sound like a lot, a lot, but really my whole my that whole hour is designed to get you a higher salary more opportunities so it's all about return on value and like Uh you uh, i've just got to be you've got to be up front with the value and that's what i believe i'm worth at least but then going into it because i'm paid for it i am 100 percent focused i am there to improve on your situation. And it's a two-way thing because you've paid. I know exactly like you said, Sean, that that person is ready to go, is serious about what I'm going to say. And together we get results. It's kind of, you know, the whole thing of, working out or working out with a personal trainer having that person to kind of push you along is really important and i think the key word is like accountability you know it's Uh like it's amazing what you do on linkedin and the courses but also you you know the fact that you do those courses in person sean there's that accountability there you know it's not just the online resource where you can go in and out of but then you're there in person and different vehicles for different people but i agree with you i think it's extremely important but on that note if anyone wants to find you, you are on LinkedIn and we're going to yeah, get all the links yeah. there and you can meet people in person as well. So we will, when we post this, I will post on the audio versions, all the links. So guys and girls, if you're listening, click all the links, but I'm going to say them out in case you're not in front of your phone, or, you know, and or if you're not in front of your computer, so you can find Sean Bryant on LinkedIn. He is in the LinkedIn learning section and I've got all the links here. So we got linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash CAD FM consult. That's your business show. And then we've got linkedin.com forward slash learning forward slash instruction instructors instructors forward slash Sean Bryant. Sorry guys. Uh, and then we've got the, my favorite one. We've got facebook.com forward slash the CAD Jedi. Maybe what I'll do when I put the podcast, I'll try to get like a little um, <laughs> lightsaber noise there for you. But Sean, you've been an absolute delight. I'm so glad that the move's going really well. Who knows? Maybe what we'll do is we'll return to this conversation in one year's time because we got that theme going on and we can discuss <laughs> where the industry's gone. But thank you so much for coming. Stay on the line. I'm going to end the podcast now.